Good evening, Andre. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. And, and thanks just after the training ride, you just had, uh, you were riding with some of your friends, uh, with Rick and Marcel Sieberg. Uh, so just two minutes of the shower and now live with us here in Dubai. Thank you so much. Exactly. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, let's have a good talk. Yes. How many kilometers did you ride today? Yeah, we did uh, 110 kilometers, uh, so uh, around uh, 1,500 high meters. So, uh, yeah, we wanted to explore a different region where we never went training. So, we rented an apartment here, and uh, now we are here for the upcoming five, six days. Very good. And if you if you ride with your colleagues, uh, you you sprint for the sign of the of the beginning of a village. Is this is this still going on? Sometimes today they were lazy bastards, but uh, yeah, <laughs> Very good. maybe in the upcoming days. Very good. Um, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, and um, it's always very, very exciting for me to do some research for uh, for my guests. And uh, I want to just share a few facts with about you. Um, and I think it's just an amazing career you had. Uh, you have been national champion of Germany in 2013, 14, 16. Um, I think it was the first time that the title was defended, that somebody won it back to back. Uh, Tour Down Under was a great event for you, 2008, 2010. A bronze medal in Copenhagen, 2011. Four stages in the Vuelta, seven stages in the Giro Italia. Amazing, seven, 11 stages in the Tour de France. Um, I did some research. I think you almost cycled uh, 29,796 kilometers in racing, 11,800 days of racing. 156 victories and I think that makes you the most successful uh, rider currently in the in the peloton and 12 grand tours you participated and in every of these uh, grand tours you want to you want to stage is this correct yeah I think in uh, 12 or 13 consecutive uh, grand tours yeah <clears throat> fantastic and now you're riding uh, with Rick Sabel, who I just saw uh, a minute ago. You're riding at Israel Startup Nation. And I was very excited to see that you um, just had a new contract signed until 2022. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, after this uh, coronavirus thing, uh, I didn't know if there will be some races left uh, this year. And of course, I wanted to end my career with a number on my jersey. So I had to, to go for another year because uh, normally I was almost sure that I'm going to stop this year. Uh, but yeah, um, I asked the team to, yeah, to have the opportunity to ride another year. And they gave me two years. So I didn't say no. Um, so uh, actually, this was never my plan to be on the bike with 40. But uh, let's see how it ends up. Uh, maybe I will do one year, uh, but maybe also the two years. Very good, fantastic. Um, I, I always felt you had a very distinct sprinting style, obviously very powerful and it looked really, really ag ag aggressive and you, when you're pulling on your handlebar and everything and we, we just uh, prepared a little clip um, and we want to show you that clip um, a bit of about your career. So please, Will, if you start the clip, please.
fantastic. Do you yeah, nice clip. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Will, is this uh, our, our media designer, Will, is, is always putting a lot of time and effort uh, in, into these things. So thank you. Um, do you remember all the stages? Do you, when you watch the clips, do you remember the situations? Is this going quickly to your to your head? Where it was, when it was, how the sprint went? Yeah, normally I have all my sprints uh, and victories in my mind. What ex exactly happened? Uh, how uh, the sprint developed? So uh, yeah, now we have we have twenty twenty. So you almost can uh, rewatch everything. But yeah, my my uh, yeah my brain is quite good in uh, yeah in getting back into the sprint and how I how I felt how the lead out went and things like that. I just saw. I think your lead out or your favorite lead out man Marcel Siebeck was just uh, with you training. So is this is it just a normal situation? You sit behind him and then it comes to the to the finish line and and you just do this a lot in training and and how. How is it to ride with him? He's a very tall guy, so it was almost a perfect combination with him riding now. Um... Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, of course, he's a pretty tall guy. Uh, and uh, and he was on the most uh, yeah important uh, position in the lead-out train. So he always had the experience and uh, yeah, always had the right... Uh, right view in the sprint to to start a lead out and uh, so yeah it was important to have him everybody could see him quite well because he was that tall so everybody knew when he's going to take off it's going to be painful even to stay on the wheels and uh, therefore he always could make a difference and uh, the guys who are sitting behind him actually just had to do their job but uh, yeah yeah uh, like uh, Marcel uh, he could always make the difference to bring the lead out train in the front um, let me let me take you back to the beginning. Uh, I heard you started when you were like uh, nine or ten years old. Uh, you're from from Gera, Rostock. This was where the first thing started. Can you take us back? What was the beginning of your racing career? Yeah, when I was ten. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was always in love with my bike anyway. So uh, yeah, I mean, now any everybody is watching uh, YouTube and. Uh, having the mobile phone uh, in the hands. But uh, yeah, I was always outside riding my bike and uh, doing stupid things sometimes with the bike. But yeah, my uh, my, my mother always uh, said, yeah, I had to be careful. And uh, yeah, then the peace race was always passing my house. Okay. And uh, somehow then I said to my mother, okay, uh, uh, when I saw the track in, in Rostock, there was a, a, a yeah, a, um, concrete track yes. I said to my mother okay I want to try this out so she she went to the trainer and said okay I have somebody who wants to be a cyclist and uh, yeah I had to go there uh, because it was I think October or November so it was just the time where no wheels were turning everybody was uh, doing athletic athletics things so I had to run and uh, yeah I still remember that I had to do five laps on the on the ash track, uh, so this red ash, uh, we had to do five laps, two kilometers, and I could manage to lap everybody else uh, uh, on that day. And the trainer said, oh, there's some talent there. So yeah, you can bring him back. And then five days later, I had to do uh, a one kilometer test on the track. This is what my trainer, my first trainer still does 
that uh, if somebody wants to be a cyclist, he has to do first uh, one kilometer uh, yeah, on time on the track. And if you get over under 10, two minutes, you have talent and then you can uh, start to be a cyclist. But I, I can't remember my time, but yeah, I was directly in love with this uh, race handlebars, etc. because yeah, in that time you always got a bike directly uh, for rent. And um, yeah, then you could, uh, yeah, train on a, on a race bike. And I always wanted to have this race handlebar. And uh, yeah, that was uh, a great thing, where, as I remember. Fantastic. Do you remember who was in your head when you're doing your first sprint races? Was there one rider which inspired you? Uh, when it comes back to this, uh, I got this question asked a lot of times. Uh, but Olaf Ludwig uh, was the, the guy, the rider. I uh, developed the first time, like 93, 94, when he managed to win uh, two de France stages and was in the green jersey, etc. Then I really started to watch uh, cycling on TV. So, uh, yeah, this was, uh, yeah, uh, some, actually, Olaf Ludwig was a guy. Uh, an idol which uh, who, who brought me a lot of times into cycling first yeah he was my idol then he brought me in the under 23 team um, then he signed me up for T-Mobile so uh, yeah it was uh, somebody who followed me uh, almost my whole career who would you say is your biggest mentor or the biggest inspiration in the sport you, you had with you in your career Oh, this is a difficult question, uh, but when it when it comes back, because it's important to have people who who you trust, um, hundred percent, and uh, who teach you something in life. And uh, when it comes back to that, I think my first trainer Peter Zaga uh, was the guy who, yeah, taught me cycling like I'm still doing now. So. Uh, there are so many important things uh, when you are a, want to be, be a bike rider. These are just small things. Mm -hmm. uh, still now, I never start training with a dirty bike because it was not possible. When you, when I would have come with a dirty bike to training, he, I would not, I would not be able to train in the group uh, because mm -hmm. I was not allowed to ride with a dirty bike and. These are things you still remember uh, in your whole career. So mm -hmm. today it was raining again. So afterwards I have to clean my bike because yeah, it's just a mental thing that I never start training with a dirty bike. But that's very nice. I think to keep these values up and, and pass them on to the young generation. I think that's that's quite quite important. Yeah, that, that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, it's quite quite difficult to yes. to to give this to to give this lesson to younger riders. Uh, yes. But yeah, I think it's important because at the end of the day, it's our job. Um, yeah, everybody wants to have uh, good material which functions good. So uh, yeah, these are small details can make the difference. That's very good. When you were a young boy, you had a bike uh, which you always dreamed of and you wanted to have, and at the beginning you couldn't get. Was there one bike you always wished you would have had? I was never a really material guy I was just happy uh, to race so I had a, a diamond bike um, okay yes another brand in, yeah it's it's uh, I mean it was normal to have a bike like that uh, 93 92 
but we had no gears. So mm -hmm. I think for almost three, four years, I never had gears in the back. So, mm -hmm. so my first thing I wanted to have a bike with gears and, uh, I never had a really, a real bike in my mind, which is good because I never was into the material thing, but, uh, yeah, like I said, the small details were always important. So when I had a yellow, uh, handlebar tape I needed to have a yellow saddle and uh, yellow tubes uh, continental and that time had yellow tubes what I remember so small details uh, it always had to look nice doesn't matter what bike it was very good and what do you think how much is of your success is your talent which have been given by your by your parents and how much is the hard work and your work ethics you learn from your coaches and, and you have from yourself is this a 50 50 or um I think you can have as much talent as you want. Uh, if you don't train it, uh, it's quite difficult to become a, yeah, a professional bike rider. So I, I think it's uh, the talent brings you into cycling and uh, you need to have somebody who finds out about your talent and then uh, teach you cycling uh, in the way uh, you, can, you can make that talent grow. So this is what you need to have. And uh, you need to have the mental strength to understand that you have talent and also, uh, yeah, work hard to make that talent even better. And to get out for training, are you motivated by yourself? You, you have people around you who motivate you or is it just intrinsically that you want to get better every time you're racing? Where's your motivation coming from? Uh, first of all, I'm, it's my passion to ride the bike. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't matter what day it is. Uh, um, and even when it's raining, I need to have days like, like that in the rain or snow or whatever. And if I have a training schedule and I'm not doing this training program in the rain, then I need to stop cycling. That is what mm -hmm. I always said to myself. Um, so I need, don't need so much inspiration to ride my bike be, because I just love what I'm doing. Every day again, of course, uh, you, sometimes you also have days like, oh, today it's going to be difficult uh, to make that training program or these hours on the bike. But when you come back home, uh, you are a different person. Uh, you're just uh, proud. Even you have had bad legs or something mm -hmm. that you could manage to do that program. And uh, yeah, this is, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, sport anyway makes your, makes your character. In a, in a way so uh, sometimes I say to younger riders uh, either you have character or you're not so uh, it doesn't matter what what you're doing uh, if you uh, if you have to build a pool or if you have to go and then uh, shopping or things like that and you don't like it uh, but then you are proud of when you when you finished all these things uh, so uh, yeah, character is something created by sport a lot, uh, but also in other uh, works, of course. You remember a few character building moments in your life, early, early days? Would you think, okay, this is when I really realized this is what I want to do? Um, is, is there something special or a person, a special person who you would say, listen, he really taught me uh, more than, than anyone else? Um... 
the first thing when I got asked a question like this is uh, uh, Peter Zaga, my first trainer, always said uh, a bike rider is made in the winter. Mm-hmm. So if you're lazy in the winter, the season is finished. So this is something uh, what I'm still doing. So I'm always uh, trying to stay really fit in winter uh, to, to have an easier start of the season. Um, and of course, uh, in Rostock, in the north of Germany, it's not super warm. So you have some cold days and, and uh, yeah, dark days uh, for sure as well. Um, and there you always surprise have, I had to surprise myself a lot of times to get through the training rides with cold feet. Now you have so much good, good protection, uh, shoe covers and gloves, etc. But I mean, I started cycling in 93, so we didn't have the material like we have now. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I remember coming home with cold hands, crying, uh, and, uh, having a shower, a warm shower in that time isn't the best thing. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, when I remember like Milan San Remo, I think it was 13 or 14 when it was so cold, uh, and, and snowing, um, everybody was totally cold. Uh, but after the race, after the hot shower, you almost forget about everything. So, um, <laughs> I mean, uh, cyclists, uh, start, Oh, I mean, I never remember any, any climbs because I, I don't want to get to know them anyway, because I'm good in forgetting about bad experiences. Um, but on the other side, yeah, uh, when you get a, through days like that, uh, hilly days or cold, snowy days, uh, I think just to get to the finish is already a big success. Oh, good. And, and you always had a, had a strong training winter and you always started well in the season. So uh, Australia was always a good, uh, successful place for you. You came to Oman a couple of times, Qatar. Uh, Abu Dhabi. So they've always been very strong straight away from the early days of the season. So uh, um, Australia was always a good place for you. You had some very good success there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a lot of uh, times the Australians always said, okay, how, how can you be so fit? Uh, you come from uh, the middle of Europe or where are you training? Uh, but I did all my training is normally uh, at home. So I didn't prepare myself in the heat or etc. But like I said before, um, for me, a training pro- program is a program and I'm doing it. Uh, it doesn't matter what weather it is. Um, and it, especially also, you have to say that these races um, were warm-up races, um, but at the end, still, uh, everybody is hunting for points and uh, nobody is breaking anymore for in the sprints. Um, but when you see like uh, the races in Oman, Abu Dhabi, a lot of times you, uh, you are just cruising around and uh, then you had a sprint. But of course, it, it's never easy to win races. Uh, but uh, yeah, I didn't win them alone. I always had a good team beside me to support me in the sprints. So uh, yeah, that made it also, of course, uh, not easier, but uh, yeah, the team always played a big part in it. 
And I think in Australia in, in 2008, you had a very good race. And this is when you got your, your nickname, the gorilla. Um, I think it was the media who, who got up, uh, came up with that name. And I think an, an interesting story maybe as well, you got a, uh, for one of the stage wins, you, you won a cow. Yeah, but I never, I never yeah. had uh, got to got to see my cow again. Uh, uh, I, I mean, a, a nice steak would have been nice as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, for sure, she is not alive anymore. Did you win any other interesting prizes? Any other animals? Anything you remember in your career? Well, nothing really special. Uh, actually, this was the most uh, special thing that I, yeah, won a cow. <laughs> we have a second clip prepared uh, with some of your highlights as well. So maybe, I uh, Will, if you don't mind, if you play that second clip. back to the Tour de France. I think that was obviously uh, an amazing event for you. You were so successful. But I think the first day of your first Tour de France, you had a bit of a mishap. You, you had an accident. Yeah, I think it, it's, a, it's a record uh, that I crashed. I, I think kilometer minus five or something. So uh, <clears throat> my first experience in the Tour wasn't that, that great that I was at kilometer zero in the doctor's car. Um, but on the other side, uh, I will never forget the first day because, yeah, we could manage to to get the yellow jersey and uh, and the team uh, by winning with uh, Philippe Gilbert. And uh, the team on that day made a, a tremendous, uh, really good lead out. Okay, at the end it was one kilometer uphill, but he was that strong. And uh, I, I remember that I crossed the my first finish line in the Tour de France with goosebumps and uh, yeah, a really nice uh, thing to remember. And I think you had a team time trial the next day and you were obviously riding, the team was riding in, in the, with the yellow jersey, but that was quite, a, quite an, an event. Yeah, let's say this day I don't remember, I have not <laughs> so good in memory because uh, we started, of course, last team. Um, Everybody wanted to do really good. Uh, we started with a good speed and uh, we had the directors uh, behind. They always said, okay, really good speed, really good speed. But then we came to the first intermediate point and uh, we were already 40 seconds behind. And everybody, when it comes back to that, everybody thought, 
at that point, oh, this is quite easy time trial. But then we really put the hammer down and we didn't lose any any seconds anymore. So we could have done better. So on that day, we performed, we underperformed, let's say. But then uh, same year, stage 10, your first victory in the tour. You remember the day? Of course. Uh, it was, I mean, there were some before where I could find out in. I think now we lost you. Two guys in front of me. Uh, we were just. You hear me? Yes, Hello? now I hear you. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I don't see you anymore. Let me see. Now we're back. Yeah. Uh, start again. Um, in the in the first sprints, I found out that it's quite intense uh, in in the last kilometers in the Tour de France, and uh, to win to win is uh, yeah was a dream, of course. Uh, first, it was a dream to be uh, in the Tour, but I always wanted to do good. Uh, and I remember, I think the day before, I did a sprint. And, and I tried to surprise everybody a little bit. And uh, I think uh, Kev won and Pitaki second. I was third, but I started really early. And then it was a key point uh, in my head that I said, okay, it's possible to win a stage. Uh, and the stage I won, uh, I, never, I never thought I, that I would make it. Uh, the plan was to attack with Philippe Gilbert on that day. There was a climb. 15 kilometers to the finish, a quite hard and intense climb, uh, but I could manage to get over. I think we were like 50 guys in the final, and uh, yeah, and then it was just uh, super nice to uh, have the opportunity to sprint against. Uh, yeah, in that time, uh, Kev was the best sprinter uh, you can find. And uh, I managed to get his wheel and uh, could manage to, to pass him. And uh, yeah, it was a, a dream coming true. Uh, and uh, yeah, a really nice, uh, yeah. It, let's say uh, I started to work out my to-do list. Very good, very good, fantastic. So you won, uh, I think seven years in a row, you went to the Tour de France and you every year won a stage, at least one. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's easier, but uh, we had a, we had a really pro, a really good project with uh, the team Lotto, yes. Lotto Billy Soul, Lotto Sudal, however you wanted to name it. Uh, we really always could manage to, uh, to guide the finals like we wanted. We had a really strong leader team. And uh, yeah, I was the lucky one to be on the last uh, lead out and uh, be the last man. So uh, we always had pressure when we came to the to the fronts, uh, but the whole team always uh, managed all this pressure in a good way. Uh, I always say, said that in that time that of course I have pressure, but it's mm -hmm. divided by eight other shoulders. So it's less pressure for me. Everybody knew 
why they are in the Tour de France for what we are there. And uh, everybody tried to be in best shape possible. And uh, yeah, we always could manage to win stages. Do you feel it's motivating you, the pressure, or is it rather a burden you feel when, when the team, or you maybe in a few days where it didn't work out, or is this rather something you, you strive and you say, I want to for sure win, or is it rather something which you feel is, is, is creating more difficult for you? Um, let's say um, dealing with pressure is something uh, not nice. I, I'm honest with that. Um, last year I could experience the tour in a different way. Um, I actually wanted to stop cycling last year in June. Mm -hmm. um, but then somehow, yeah, my, my trainer and my wife, uh, they, they kept me staying on the bike and, um, I, I went without any, any goals in the Tour de France and I, I, I could experience the tour in a different way. I, experienced the village uh, uh, just this uh, whole atmosphere in the tour in a different way without pressure and this was something really nice uh, and i'm really thankful that i could experience uh, the tour de france also without pressure but even then i wanted to perform as well uh, uh, but without any pressure and uh, um, so Pressure is nothing, it's it's something not nice. And uh, to be honest, when I got older, it was also more difficult to deal with it. I was listening yesterday to someone and he said, pressure is a privilege. Uh, so it's something you earn uh, that you that you have that position and, and then you strive with that uh, pressure. And I think you, you did very well. And I, I want to just take you back as well to 2016 because obviously that was a, uh, the last stage in Paris and you had an amazing victory and and i've been last year actually in paris uh we were standing next to your family and the, on the champs Elysees, and um that the roads obviously is i don't know if a lot of people have been there but the roads are extremely rough and it's a very very difficult sprint but how was it 2016 you remember uh that day this was the first time i won or the second one i, I can't remember i think 15 i won the first time yes on the champs Elysees. i think it's 16 uh, I, I didn't win a stage before, um, so uh, somehow everybody was waiting that I was going to win another one. Uh, but I, of course, it's one of the hardest uh, sprints first to reach. Uh, I mean, three weeks are intense weeks for sprinters, but to uh, to time that sprint in a good way is uh, quite difficult as well. Uh, but yeah. Uh, on that day, I remember that I just said to the team, okay, I don't want to have any lead out. Just bring me to the wheel of Christoph. And uh, I could manage to do so together with the team. And uh, yeah, then I just tried to make the best uh, sprint possible. And then I uh, could could win another uh, Grand Tour stage, uh, I think the 12th or 13th times in a row. Very good. So you're now more than 15 years as a professional in the peloton. Um, so what what perks you have and how is it? You're you're a very respected rider because obviously you have been uh, in, in many teams and you have a real team player. So when you have to go for a pee break, everyone stops. Or uh, what are the what are the benefits you have uh, after so many years? I have no benefits. Uh, let's say when I say something, they are listening. 
but uh, let's say this respect thing is a bit lacking in the peloton at the moment. Uh, so there's not somebody like uh, Cipollini where everybody was listening to. Uh, but yeah, uh, cycling changed. A lot of young guys are coming up. And uh, yeah, uh, I mean, now uh, this is what a lot of, doesn't matter in what business you are. Um, uh, this respect thing with all these social media things, uh, when somebody is following you, they 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 think that they they are friends with you, things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, this uh, respecting is of course uh, something you need to earn. Uh, but uh, you don't experience this so much anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you feel you learn something from the young generation when they come in? Is there something you you feel you you've learned from the younger riders? I mean, I just learned that uh, that some that this uh, this uh, uh, how you say this uh, experience you are gaining throughout your career is uh, is is nothing you get directly. Uh, mm -hmm. So you have to take it step by step. Um, and uh, a lot of times, the young guys coming up. Uh, are coming in the peloton of course they are successful directly mm -hmm. uh, but on the other side you also have to deal with it in a in a respective way and uh, so uh, uh, i always say you you don't build a house from the top you build it from the base and um, like when i started cycling I, I first i brought bottles then i was riding in the wind then i was a lead out man And uh, then I somehow could manage to be a sprinter, and uh, this helps you in the in your career to uh, get to know also the things what the other teammates are doing. And uh, yeah, I think uh, by that you you also have more respect for your teammates. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Obviously, you're you're a very calm and collected person when you when you speak to you and everything. But on the bike, obviously, there's a completely different Andre Greipel especially in the last couple of kilometers of an event. Um, how, how is it when you put on the helmet? Or has this always been like this? Or how do you, how do you get in the mood of, of going for this kind of boxing fight scenario in, in the last kilometers of, of a race? Um, I mean, I'm still the same person when I put on my helmet, uh, but in the final, I'm not. Uh, uh, you are just focused and uh, try to make your best. Uh, A lot of times, a lot of uh, they 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 tell me that I'm too kind uh, to be a sprinter. Uh, but I mean, I won more than 150 races, so therefore I think <laughs> I'm not too kind. So I also put my elbows out when it's necessary. Yeah. But let's say I make it with a calculated risk. Um, I never try to put anyone in danger, yeah. and uh, this is what I'm also hoping others are doing in the finals as well because uh, I think this fair play and uh, the, respects, the respect for each other is uh, an important thing. I have, a, I have an important question for you now. Uh, Friday morning we have our group ride and about 100 people on the flat. There's a little climb at the end uh, and then maybe about five kilometers to the finish. Can you any, give me any secret tips? How I, can I get first to the, to the sprint and win the sprint? <clears throat> The stone tactic is the most important thing for a sprinter. So always start in the front of the bunch and uh, let yourself drop uh, 
as far as you think it's possible because of course you need to be in the group first uh, to make it that sprint but the stone tactic is uh, is performed by a lot of sprinters that you try to get get over the last hills so let yourself drop in the bunch uh, I mean last man in, after the climb is also possible to to stay in the front and uh, manage to do the sprint oh, very good very good okay that's good that's good very good um, what's your favorite race of of the season yeah Flanders is a really nice race um, it's a, it's a it's a race with a lot of character and also okay. in the home country of cycling and uh, uh, especially when it's when it's in these holy weeks of the classics uh, it's just a special moment and this special uh, atmosphere uh, throughout the whole parkour and uh, yeah to be able to perform in these races is uh, something special yes I actually you know, was obviously you have been very disappointed with with falling and breaking your collarbone uh, beginning of the of the season but I was really excited to see you uh, in Flanders and and these races because I thought you're gonna do really really well uh, with with your sprint power and and then as well we saw you many times in the breakaway so um, I hope by are you doing Flanders now in the in the second half of the year 2020 is there something on your plan yeah normally this is uh, the plan um, and I'm of course happy uh, that I could manage uh, or that I hope I will manage to be selected yes. uh, because yeah, I was really disappointed. Of course, uh, I actually dislocated my shoulder, so it's a longer injury. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't be able to do the classics normally in this year. But I'm really happy for that reason. Even the Corona uh, crisis wasn't the easiest for every everybody, I guess. Uh, but I'm happy that I hopefully be able to perform in these races. When looking, you mentioned the, the Corona and COVID crisis. Uh, what was your homeschooling part? What you have two daughters, um, Anna and Luna, and and what was your part in the homeschooling? Um, English. I had to I had to do English because my wife isn't uh, so firm in in English. Uh, so I was doing the English thing, and uh, yeah, and then I was just. Uh, trying to stay calm let's say this was the most important thing you spend a lot of time on swift but in germany it was always allowed to go out and ride or you had a time where you were not allowed to ride outside no we always could manage to ride outside uh, and uh, but we of course we had to be alone mm -hmm. um but yeah as i was injured i was also a lot of times on swift uh and in that period i got to know swift a lot Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a really nice tool for for yeah for every kind of cyclist you are. When you're in Germany as well, you you spend some time with a, a club in I think it's in Rostock or in Gera, uh, where you have a, your home club and you go there and you train with the youth and you I think this is quite something as well close to your heart to bring the, the young riders into the into cycling. Uh, what tips uh, are you giving them when they say oh I want to become the next Andre Greipel? Uh, I want to become a pro cyclist. What would you tell them? Uh, first of all, uh, never lose the joy uh, of of riding the bike. So let's say it's good to be motivated, but 
don't be over motivated. Uh, a lot of times you have parents uh, which are a little bit too enthusiastic. Uh, I, I always say, um, but yeah, you need to have fun on the bike, and of course you need to, uh, let's say. When you are young, uh, if you ride your bike three times a week, it's it's enough. Um, but of course, um, never try to exaggerate too much uh, in your training rides. So uh, the basic training is the most important thing. What I'm still doing uh, a lot of long, slow distance kilometers, and uh, when you have the base, uh, you can start to to go in the intensity stuff. You think it's important for young riders? We have some good talents here in the UE. Uh, you think they should go to Europe to race, or what? What would be your advice to get maybe selected for one of the teams? What's the best way forward? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, to take part in international races is, mm -hmm. I think, something something important to get to know the the, the style of racing. And in the UAE, there are a lot of uh, roads where you don't have that much corners. So cornering is quite important as well. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, sometimes it's always the best way to, to get thrown in the cold water. Mm -hmm. By that, you, you get to know cycling uh, uh, where, where it's really yeah, necessary to perform on, on, on the highest level. And, by this, you you are learning quite fast. Mm -hmm. Looking at your bike and your bike setup, are you very particular about it? Did you change anything in the last couple of years? Maybe getting a few years older, did you feel like you uh, you you added things, or you have a favorite bike gadget? Um, the most important for me is that the the front part of the bike and the handlebar is is stiff. Mm -hmm. um, all these aero handlebars came in into cycling three, four years ago. Uh, but a lot of times I never had a handlebar where I felt comfortable and uh, uh, a lot of times they were not stiff enough. But uh, yeah, then I just uh, put a really strong handlebar in stem and then uh, the bike was that much stiffer. But uh, uh, I'm always choosing a smaller frame than I normally should ride because uh, the, for the aerodynamic, it's quite important to get low in the front. So this is what I'm normally thinking about by setting up a bike. And you get specially bikes built for you to hold on? Because I'm always, when I see you sprinting, I always think, okay, that bike's going to break. Uh, when, you, when you pull on the handlebar, is there specific frames built for the team? Or is it something you, you use a stock standard frame or they adding some extra layers of carbon to, to sustain the, the power you create? In my old teams, they put yeah more carbon, a different different carbon fiber in the parts where I wanted to have the bike stiffer. Um, I think with my current bike factor, it's not the case. Uh, but I think it's also not, not necessary because uh, that bike is so stiff, and uh, yeah, it's a really nice, uh, enjoyable moment to always uh, sprint on that bike. Very good. Very good. Is there um, a famous person, if you had the chance to change your life for one day, is there somebody you would like to uh, live his life for one day? Yeah, it's a difficult question uh, because it, uh, well, 
it's it's a hard choice. Uh, I would either take uh, Muhammad Ali or Usain Bolt. Um, okay. Those two uh, a kind of characters uh, which was uh, quite significant in 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 their generations and mm. uh, let's say they are polarized persons and uh, with their characters I think they yeah they could manage uh, to put the sport they they did in a, in a good in a good way uh, uh, and this is what yeah athletes should do um, when they are <laughs> successful to uh, use their name to create something very good. I think on that topic, I think you, you mentioned SWIFT and, and I just want to mention that you have your own charity, uh, ALS, uh, which is a, which fighting against the nerve and muscular uh, disease, uh, which affects the body. And I think you have been affected uh, with, with your mom with this. And I think you did a, a ride on SWIFT and you collected over $10,000. You had 7,000 people following you on that ride, which is quite amazing and quite an astonishing uh, achievement. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this I think we did it now three times already. Uh, yeah. That right. Um, and this year we did it in the beginning of February. I think fourth of February was it. And uh, on that day, Swift knew that it's going to be a huge uh, workout. And uh, yeah, before the Corona crisis, this was the biggest workout uh, we could manage to do together. Uh, at the end, they were nearly over nine thousand cyclists. We could could join, make make us ride together uh, on that Swift ride, and of course, it's really nice to have uh, Swift on on that side to support me in this ALS charity, because yeah, it's uh, close to my heart uh, this charity. And uh, uh, like I said before, if if you have a name and you can make something positive out of it, it's uh, something nice. Well done. Yeah, well done. Um, I have a few quick questions and, and just maybe if you give me a quick answer. The best day of your career was? When my kids were born. Very nice. That's good. You have two girls, yeah? Uh, Anna and Luna. And I think your, your arm. Uh, exactly. You. Exactly. Yep. This, uh, a lot of times when I'm going uphill uh, and I'm thinking about quitting a race <laughs> i always look on on my arm and then I, I of course it would be nice to come home but on the other side it's also worth worth enough to stay uh in the race sometimes very nice and the hardest day of your career was oh i, I will never forget that day uh 2009 2010 um, the stage to L'Aquila in uh, Giro d'Italia. I think we did 290 kilometers and uh, pouring rain uh, in four or five degrees. This was the hardest day. And I, I don't know how often I wanted to stop on that day. Uh, but yeah, it's a day I will never forget. And I think a lot of guys who are really into cycling, they will remember that day that... Uh, I think 40 or 50 guys were in front and the the uh, the pink jersey was in, in the group where we were in, but we directly were dropped. And I think Richie Port on that day got the pink jersey. 
but it was super hard uh, and uh, to do uh, almost eight hours in the rain. I think the whole Gruppetto was out of time uh, by nearly 20 minutes. Uh, and I, I remember like two, three weeks ago, Robbie McEwen was speaking about the same day when he <laughs> had four, four, rain, four different rain jackets from different teams over each other because it was that cold that, uh, yeah, uh, that also he doesn't forget that day. Very good. But what is it then in your head? What, what do you tell to yourself to keep you going? Are you going to the next corner? You're counting kilometers, you're counting hours, you try to distract yourself. Um, what's, what's going on in your head then? On that day, I was almost sure that I gonna be gonna sit on my terrace at home and drinking a coffee and watching the Giro d'Italia at home. But yeah, my teammates, they kept me in the race. Um, and yeah, I, uh, they were waiting for me uh, to keep me in the race. And uh, yeah, we could manage to stay together in the, in the Gruppetto somehow. And uh, yeah, that, that's what it's so important uh, about teammates as well. Uh, of course, you need to have good teammates, but it's really important to understand each other also off the bike in a good way so we had a really good friendship with everybody in the team mm -hmm. um and uh yeah so i could manage to finish the Giro, and i think i even still won a stage after that fantastic what's the best part of being a professional cyclist um it's a it's an easy question to answer uh for me, it's uh, it's it's not a job; it's a passion. So it's not not difficult to be a professional bike rider when you when you have the passion for the things you are doing. Doesn't matter; it's uh, what any 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 business you are doing. You need to have the passion for it, and uh, this is uh, something I always look back that uh, yeah, uh, I never regret a day I was on the bike. Maybe. Who's gonna win? Who's gonna win the Tour de France in 2020? Hopefully, there's one. That's what we are all hoping for. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I'm actually not so much into the parkour because anyway, I cannot change the parkour. Uh, but I think the performance of uh, Egan Bernal from last year was uh, quite quite something. Um, but I. I see pictures of Jaron Thomas this year, and I think that it's going to be a, a battle between uh, Bernal or Jaron Thomas. Mm -hmm. If you go for a tandem ride and you could choose one person to ride with you, who would that be? My wife. Very good. And she's sitting in the front or in the back? No, I'm I, I going to choose the road uh, for sure. And uh, <laughs> I mean, of course, it would be also good to be in the back. Uh, then I don't have uh, all the wind in my face. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it would be nice to make a tandem ride with my wife. Very good. Um, and if you write a book about your career, what would be the title? Oh. <laughs> uh, I will get back to this uh, after my career. And, Very good. Uh, it's it's difficult uh, in in that uh, to to have a good answer for that because mm -hmm. a, a biography is uh, something 
something of course I'm thinking about uh, maybe I'm gonna go into that uh, but not yet good. okay very good I, I start the thinking process maybe here today about the title <laughs> I think that some people say that's the most difficult to get a title and then you can write a book about it um, do you have a favorite quote <sighs> uh, favorite quote um, yeah uh, never stop dreaming that's uh that's how you you keep yourself going uh, i mean uh, it's always nice to set goals and it doesn't matter in what way you are doing you have goals in your family life you have goals in your business you are doing so this is uh something what i'm what i'm trying that uh it's always nice to reach the goals but uh yeah never stop to Redream the next goals. Very good. If you go to karaoke, uh, which song would you pick? I know you had a little. Uh, I, I I don't know if people mentioned or they saw that that we uh, you had a little music clip as well. You you were singing. Would you choose your own song or what song would you sing when we take you to karaoke bar? <laughs> uh, I did actually three songs, um, but uh, yeah, I I found out that I'm not that good singer. I mean. The question of uh, doing a karaoke song is a, is a matter of the beers. Um, <laughs> and I think if I have enough beers, I, I, I even could pick a Michael Jackson song. Doesn't matter what which one it is. Uh, but uh, I think I could perform even a moonwalk then. <laughs> it depends on how many beers. I had the pleasure to see him actually in Germany on a concert, Michael Jackson. Yeah. So uh, it was, was quite a show Yeah, he put up. Um, you have anything on your bucket list? And I, I read or I heard somewhere that the Jakobsweg uh, is something and an Ironman is something you have on your, on your list. Anything else? Yeah, this Ironman thing is something I wanted to do before I dislocated my shoulder. Uh, but and that on, on that moment now, I, I cannot swim in the way I want to. Mm -hmm. So I have to rethink that. Um, but the Jakobsweg is uh, something I will do after my career. Mm -hmm. um, for sure, I will do it. Uh, yeah, but the bucket list, uh, yeah, is is uh, is still uh, Paris Roubaix. Something I would like to perform good, um, better than I did once. I think I was seventh, but uh, I could have done better. Um, but yeah. To stay healthy, I think, is uh, at the moment the most important thing. Uh, well, what makes you uh, creating a new bucket list? Very good. Very good. Um, Andre, I want to thank you very much for your, for your time. Um, I think it has been great. And I think, really, uh, it's always a great pleasure for everyone watching you in the races. I think it's uh, sprinters have a special place in my heart, uh, seeing you going to the finish line and then, then fighting for glory. And I think you do a lot of things. You're motivating a lot of people. Um, I think what you do with ALS is, is really fantastic. So I just want to acknowledge you for this. And um, yeah, thank you so much for, for taking the time and speaking to us today. And our next guest is a special one. It's um, the, a gold medalist rower, a cyclist with Team Ineos and an Ironman tribe. So maybe you can get some tips from, from Cameron Worth, uh, who has, I think at the moment, the record time in Hawaii uh, for cycling. So on the Ironman Hawaii World Championship, he has the, the record time for his, uh, for his cycling split. Um, so 
thank you so much for for taking the time. And when when can we see you racing uh, in 2020? What's the next days we will see you? Uh, the plan is that I'm going to start in Tudela, so the 7th of August uh, going to be yeah going to be race time again. 7th of August. Yeah. Very good. Thank you so much, and we wish you all the best. We're looking for many more victories uh, in, in 2020 and the next until 2022. Okay. Thanks for much. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much for making the movies, etc. And uh, it was fun, fun uh, talking to you. Thank you. I hope to see you in Dubai or Abu Dhabi when you come next time. Okay. Thank I will try much. to do to get yes. there. Bye bye. Thank you very much. Bye, bye bye. Thank you everyone for watching. Have a good evening. Bye bye.